What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Base Hitball 4 podcast. My name is Glenzie Negris, alongside Alex Cashman, Scott Roswell, and Tyler Blumenstick. Spring training baseball is underway. We finally got to watch some real baseball over the weekend. There's a lot of, uh, of storylines to cover in terms of spring training games, debuts. Uh, Francisco Lindor has made his Mets debut. Uh, the Yankees, Gary Sanchez got to a hot start hitting a hitting a bomb against the Tigers over the batter's eye. That's something to keep in keep in focus over the course of the Yankees spring training. The Phillies five spot spot competition with Ivan Nova didn't go as well. Um, but I think the the biggest story of, you know, really the whole baseball season. And I think Justin Turner said this the right way. He said of the 19 games that the Padres and Dodgers will play over the course of the season. It's going to be like world series games. And I think that's absolutely true on the caps on website. I wrote an NL West preview and went through all the divisions and where I think they'll go. And we're going to talk about that this week. And then what we decided to do on the podcast was every week leading up to opening day, cover a division and give our predictions. And then the last week before opening day, we'll do both the NL and AL East divisions, because those are the two divisions that this podcast cares about the most with the three of us being Yankee fans and Scott being the Phillies fan of the podcast. So that's how we're going to do it. Starting with the NL West guys, I think that this is a very interesting division. I think it's a very top heavy division. I think the first two are really, really good teams, world series contending teams. And then the bottom three are kind of in a transition, kind of not sure if they're contending, not sure if they're rebuilding. We'll get to them in a second. But first, we'll just talk about the rivalry between the Dodgers and the Padres. In my blog on Capson.com, I picked the Dodgers to win this division. I picked them to go 100, have 108 wins. Um, I was ready to pick the Padres to win this division. I really was. After they got Musgrove and Snell and Darvish to go along with Tatis and Machado and every one they have, all the infielders they have, I thought that they were ready to take that next step and really challenge the Dodgers who have won the division in the last eight years or so. But once the Dodgers get, got Bauer, I was like, I can't deny this team, even though I want to. So I think the Dodgers are going to win this division. I just think that this roster is almost flawless. You could talk about Kenley Jansen if he's a little bit of a question mark going into his last season in that contract that he signed. But other than that, I don't see a real big weakness on this team. I don't see a reason why they can't win a hundred plus games again. Yeah. Dodgers are, are clearly the front runner. Uh, you got to give them that respect. Um, but you can obviously make that case for the Padres. And I think Glenn, you would have been completely, you know, in the right to say that the Padres uh, could win the division just because, you know, there is the whole, uh, you know, aura of the, the championship hangover. Um, plus, Going from a 60-game season now into a 162-game season, you know, how are teams going to respond to that? Um, but for me, it's the Dodgers as well. Um, when your fourth starter is David Price and then you have a combination of Dustin May, Julio Urias, and Tony Gonsolin and your fifth spot, like, you, there's just so much pitching depth for for the uh, Dodgers. But it's just going to be – it's going to be fun, those top two teams in that division because – they're probably the two best teams in the National League. Good point. Um, so, Glenn, I, I want to question you real quick. Um, you had mentioned that that 
Bauer puts the Dodgers over the Padres. So does that mean that if the Dodgers didn't sign Bauer, you would go on with Padres 100%? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I was. I said I was ready to take the Padres to win the division. Um, I thought they were that good. And then once you add the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the National League to go along with Cy Young Award winners like Kershaw and Price and young kids that could win Cy Youngs in the future, like a Walker Bueller or Dustin May or Julio Urias, I think that rotation. Um, I, I think. It's a little bit – it's too overwhelming for me to not take the Dodgers, but I was ready to take the Padres. So I may be in a little bit of the minority here. I do think that the Dodgers win this division without a doubt. However, I'm going to give the starting rotation edge to the Padres. Is that possible? I don't think so. It's your take, Cash. But if you Go can justify it, it please, I would love to. You sound very convinced right back. now. <laughs> no, like, I'm just – so – I love Clayton Kershaw. I'm a huge Clayton Kershaw fan. Um, I think he's kind of on the downhill of his career, unfortunately. Um, he's got a lot of mileage on that left arm. Um, David Price has never intrigued me. Uh, if the Yankees can tee off against David Price with a horrible roster, I think anybody can. Um, and so – I'm still stuck on the whole Bauer thing. I don't know. You Darvish, Blake Snell, D- Donaldson, Lament. I, that's a huge top three. And I don't know if the Dodge like their top three is who? Walker Bueller, Trevor Bauer, and is it Kershaw? I, I have yeah, it right Kershaw here. I have it right Kershaw. here. How about this? No, I'm looking Let's at go. I'm looking at them back to back. I, I just I want to say that the Dodgers have a better rotation, but I don't think I can. Is my point. let's do. I have the top four each written down. I just wrote it down. Um, let's just do top four because the five is always the wild card, no matter what. The ace of the Padres, I'll say, is Blake Snell, and the ace of the Dodgers, I'll say, is Walker Bueller. Who would you rather have, Bueller or Snell? Bueller. Yeah, I would the take two. Bueller. The two is Darvish or Kershaw. Who would you rather have, Darvish or Kershaw? Right Kershaw. now. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw. I'm, I'm going to go Darvish. The three is Lamette or Bauer. Who would you rather have, Lamette or Bauer? Bauer. Bauer. And the four is Musgrove and Price. Who would you rather have, Musgrove or Price? Musgrove. Oh, I think, I really I think it's a toss be because Price didn't pitch last year. That's, that's a good point. Price did not pitch. He's, he's Musgrove the same way, though, right? No, he pitched for the Pirates last year, but he was yeah. on the Pirates. So. so he didn't play baseball but is, last is, year. Did Musgrove pitch well <laughs> enough for the Pirates last year? To be, be to like be better than what Price has done over the course of his career, probably not. I I think he only pitched thirteen innings last year. Musgrove did. Yeah, interesting. So I I don't know. I think what uh, Cash's point might be is that the Padres rotation is is kind of still on the the rise and the up versus the Dodgers who have guys in Kershaw and Price who are on the back ends of their career. So. There's just there's a lot of upside in San Diego. Right, I think so, I'm looking at the sorry, Ty. I think I'm Diego looking at the potential a little more. The the Padres, um, just longevity wise, I think that I'm I'm going with Padres rotation. However, I still think that offensively the Dodgers blow the hell out of the Padres, out of the water. I, I mean, I don't even think that's close. Which but is insane because the Padres offensively are tremendous. The Dodgers don't have a weak spot in that lineup. 
Like they're like 18 no. deep. I don't know if they actually, I don't think they are, but like <laughs> I'm just over exaggerating a little bit, um, which I tend to do, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that you Darvish has been more dominant over the last few seasons. Is that possible? I, I, I hate talking poorly about Kershaw. So this is hard for me and not that I'm talking poorly, but I mean, Darvish did not pitch a lot last season either. He only threw nine. Darvish innings. pitched very well. Darvish last season, was like the yeah, he was number two of the Cy Young. Well, then why is this statistics? You, you looking uh, at postseason stats? Uh, All right, I got a question. I have a question. Um, yes. So to no. go along with this, sorry. Next season, or whenever he returns, when Mike Clevenger comes back for the Padres, uh, are you confidently saying now if you're already ranking the? Padres rotation above the Dodgers. Are you like you surely when Clevenger has gets back has have to say that the Padres rotation is 100% cut and dry like above the Dodgers. So that's not a fair question because it's absolutely a fair question. If you already I, think at the current rate that they're equal, it depends you on are ready to step on the gas when Clevenger comes well, back. Well, you don't know what, top, what moves the Dodgers are going to make from now until then. I'm saying all else held equal for the most part. But it depends on how Bauer pitches in LA. It depends on how you know, Kershaw pitches. Yeah, I'm asking right now, right now. Yeah, Based I'm ta- I'm taking the Padres then with Clevenger. I don't know if I like. I, I see where you're coming from here, but like when you give me Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, like that's probably one of the best three you could probably get in the league. Um, I I know Lamette is coming up, and like I want to believe in the Padres rotation, but like I know what I'm getting, and even the Dodgers young guys. We've seen um, Julio Urias, we've seen Dustin May, and we've even seen Tony Gonsolin pitch. I don't know if he's necessarily that young, but like we know what the young guys are for the Dodgers, I feel like, and they've pitched in high leverage spots as opposed to the Padres guys where they've shown that they're young and they can play, but we've never seen it on the big stage. Like Julio, Julio Urias is, what, 22 years old and just closed out a World Series Game 7? Yeah, it, yeah, and, he, and he's been around for forever. Like, yeah, he was in the league at like eighteen. It's not like he's he's some some new kid on the block, and he's still young. Um, I just like thinking thinking back, like when the Phillies had Halliday, Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, and Roy Oswalt. Like that team was was unstoppable. That's one of the best Phillies teams that you know we've seen in a long time. They didn't win a World Series. They had other issues with you know their offensive players on the downside. But when you have a rotation like that, that's going to eat up so many innings. And when you get into the postseason, you have four guys that you can go to. That's that's huge. Um, well, on the same token, the Mets had the best rotation in baseball for 40 years and didn't win a World <laughs> Series. So yeah. now, obviously, the Dodgers, like I said, have a better lineup. I still have the Dodgers winning this division. I'm just saying I'm going to give the upper hand to the, to the Padres starting rotation. Now, it could blow up in my face in the middle of July when – the Padres are in third place in the division and their pitching is horrible. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying right now on March 2nd, I'm taking the Padres starting rotation. I wrote in my article that the biggest weakness for Los Angeles was their closer. Uh, Jansen, they kind of lost trust in him by the end of the world series. He had that blown save in that game four. Um, He has a tendency to lose the strike zone. I wrote that because he's in the last year of his deal, he's kind of expendable. So by July, if they want to get a different closer, they have the ability to do so because they only have two more months of of commitment to Jansen. Am I being unfair to Kenley Jansen? Or do you think that it's, it's fair to say that 
if there is any weakness on this Dodgers team, that Kenley Jansen would be it. From what we've seen the last couple of years, I think that is fair. Um, he's still a really good closer. Um, he's had good moments. But you know what? And at this point, maybe like, you know, spacing out his usage throughout the regular season, like you can take a few like days off and they have other guys in that bullpen with Blake Trinan and Joe Kelly, uh, Corey Knable, and then Brewster Gratterall. Like they have other guys that can close out games. So like take pressure off of them during the regular season. And, you know, maybe he is more valuable at the end of the year, but I think, uh, I think you're fair at that saying he's the, but if they're going to play with him with, you know, if they're going to put training reels on him and use him with kid gloves, then by the time the playoffs are come around, then what's the point of using him if they weren't, if they weren't willing to use him during the regular season. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair, but you know, he, he's kind of earned his, his respect at this point. It's so like he's terrible. You guys remember a couple weeks ago when I said, I didn't trust Chapman and I got absolutely <laughs> roasted. I don't know if we Same roasted. Case. You're going to try to take it there. What'd you say? Ty? Was it a roast? Case. Um, it was kind of a roast. So I, I have here Kenley Jensen's postseason numbers. Um, and in 56 innings, uh, Is this he, career. Or you... He didn't pitch 56 innings last yeah, year. In career post, career postseason. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. What's Do up? you have a statistic up in front of you right now to own my argument from last week? Or are you looking at the statistics trying to find a way to own my argument from last no, week? No, he gave up he's given up 17 runs in 56 innings, which is a 2.40 ERA in the postseason. It's not that great. It's not that great. What do you mean it's not that great? He's a closer. What'd you say? 17 runs in 56 innings? Yeah. That uh, 2.4 in the post like it's a 2.4, but like in 56 innings, it's not like it's three innings and he's got a Chapman has like three earned runs in 50 something innings. Okay. And I'm not comparing him to Chapman. I'm comparing the argument, but I'm not comparing him. That's oh, like, no, no, letting up a run in 20, in 25% of your, your innings as a closer, assuming that every outing is one inning. That's not good. If one, if one out of every four games, your closer is giving up a run. That's not good. Especially in the four when you're a starter throwing 200 postseason innings and going seven innings per start is a lot different than 2.4 and your outings are an inning or in a third every time you're out there. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to say a, a closer with a 2.4 is a bad closer. But what's your like, point? Do you trust 4. Jansen Cash or do you not trust him? Oh, I don't trust him, but I, I said the same argument about Chapman and I got bitched at. I'm just saying, not bitched at. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean? I, he's got 18 C. You did, you did. You that the term was correct. I did indeed bitch at you. Okay, so I, I was trying to be nice and I slipped, and then there you go. So okay, but, but never deserve it possibly. Never, nevertheless, and uh, well, that's a different argument for another day. Nevertheless, I, I, no, I don't trust Jensen. I didn't trust him last year, and I don't, I didn't trust him the year before either. And maybe I just don't trust anybody. I don't know who I, I, I See, haven't trusted anybody. Point. I was since, about to bring that up, and not you specifically. But no, right, yeah, after, me, after me seeing a closer give up one run, can you feel, still really fully trust that closer? Like, is there any closer? If you ask any fan base, do you trust your closer? I feel like a majority of the teams would tell you no. 
no matter how good their closer is. I truly believe we got so fucking spoiled watching Mariano Rivera pitch. 100%. And that's the thing. It's like, it. Like, I'm a victim to that, honestly, because I will never look at, sorry, Scott, I will never look at another pitcher again and with the utmost certainty say, this game's over. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you laughing at? I'm smiling. I'm having a good time on a podcast. <laughs> no, no, you're laughing at me. Nevertheless, I, I I cannot confidently say ever again until I die that this game is over like I did when Mariano was on the mound. And that's uh, and that's just the thing across baseball. Like the the closer is the easiest person to point blame at because they're pitching one game and they're pitch or pitching one inning and they're pitching the last inning in the game. For me, the Phillies. The only time I've ever trusted a closer is Brad Lidge in 2008 when he had a perfect season. Um, you didn't trust Papelbon? No, and that's the crazy thing because Jonathan Papelbon is the all-time leader in saves in Philly's history, and I did not trust that guy one bit. Is that true? Because he played yes. a good while in Boston. Yeah, he's <laughs> I was all- just thinking. I thought I got confused for a second. That's he's insane. the all- all-time leader in saves in Philly's history, he- oh, and man. he has like over 100. And that's it? I-, I did not have trust in him What's hundred saves is a lot. That's two good years. <laughs> <laughs> not every franchise. That's my, that's my point. That is not every Philly franchise has had a closer oh, that's been around for twenty years. Yes, Only really the that's, Padres, that's and the what, Yankees. That's have what had Cash. That. That's what Cash's point was. Too, yeah. No, that's what I'm just, saying. Like, like I, it's I'm a, a spoiled rare, brat. It's a rare occurrence to have like a, a closer come in and you absolutely trust them. Uh, let's, let, let's continue to the Padres. I had them at 98 and 64. Obviously they're going to get one of the wild cards. Um, I, I think it sucks that this team could win close to or over a hundred games and still have to sweat out a wild card game. That's kind of the world we're living in right now because they're going back to the normal playoff format, not the, uh, expanded wild card series that we had over the course of what last that year. Suck for? That sucks for the teams that are going to be wild card teams. Right. But for us, that's an awesome game of baseball. I'm just saying. No, that's fair. For the fans, I'm sure it's great. But, you know. Like, I already can't wait for that, those wild card games because regardless of who it is, it's an awesome nine innings. I mean, if it's Padres and let's just throw out there, let's say the Mets are one other team. And then you got DeGrom against Snell in the wild card game between that lineup, the Padres lineup and the Mets lineup. That's a that's a great game. But, yeah. you know, it's not fair. To, it's not fun for those teams that have to sweat it out. Um, my biggest weakness for the Padres, I wrote the Dodgers because I, I like everything about the Padres. I just think that the Dodgers are just going to outslug themselves to that division. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, let me just pull. Is there a, is there a, is there a roster, you know, is there a roster weakness to this team? That's what I'm pulling up right now. I'm pulling up because I think their, their bullpen's fine in my opinion. Ooh, the Their Padres? offense is fine. They address the starting so pitching. Okay, to the point where I forgot Tommy Canley was in that bullpen now. For the Dodgers. He's on the Dodger bullpen. Yeah. Oh, the Do- oh, we're on the Sorry. Dodgers. Yeah. But no, we're on the God. Padres. Oh. Yeah, but Canley's on the Dodgers. Yes. I thought I messed this up. I thought we were talking Dodgers. Color me confused. I'm sorry. I, I think you can you can make an argument that there's some inexperience in the Padres bullpen, but they do have guys in Pomeranz and Emilio Pagan. Uh at the back end and Mark Melanson, they brought in at the back end. Um, but you know, you said it, they don't have a lot of holes. They, they're a very good team. Um, they might have a hole at shortstop. 
it's a shame that they signed that guy for 13, 14 years. But like when you got Jake Cronenworth as your your backup infielder at all three spots, he came in third place in the NL Rookie of the Year last year. Like they have depth across the board too. Like they have flexibility. They got have guys that can move around. Um, I think you're right, Glenn. I, I think their weakness is the Dodgers, and that's absolutely fair. Like, and th- as I said at the start, like this is the second best team in the National League, and they're going to be a wild card team, which you know is unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. Let me ask you guys a question: The Padres will beat the Dodgers in the regular season and win the NL West if what happens? Dodger Stadium blows yeah. up. Uh, I don't know. Injuries, even they have so, the Dodgers have so much depth. If they Wait. have injuries, they still might win 103 games. So you just mean win the division or win yeah. more games than them head to head? No, win the division. Uh, I, yeah, I think injuries might be the only logical, yeah, option. But to who? Just like, across the board. I think that, that just shows mind. how good the Dodgers are because. I mean, I if, can't let's even say, think of let's like, say, God forbid, knock on wood, let's say Betts has to miss a couple months for whatever reason. They're going to survive. I don't think it that. changes that team. They the same just thing got with him. Bellinger, right? The same thing with Seager. Like, all, same thing with Muncie. All these guys, if they go down, they have the depth around the diamond and then at that particular position as well to not skip a beat. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Maybe like Machado and Tatis coming first and second place in MVP voting. Yeah. Like, that that would be something that could put them over the top, but I just think it's the Dodgers division to win and or the Dodgers division to lose, I guess would be the yeah. better way to put it. I think a Trevor Bauer injury could really take the wind out of the sails. I feel like that that's just like one of those deflating moments where you're just like, all right, we paid this guy how much money? Um he has an opt out after this year. Although if he gets hurt, he's not opting out, and he's not opting out regardless. I don't think. But yeah, I just feel like that's one thing. Like if you had to narrow it down to a player injury, that would have the biggest impact. Like I wouldn't even go as far as saying Mookie Betts like severely changes that team as much as Trevor Bauer getting hurt. In terms of morale, I mean, the players might feel it. Probably, yeah. I don't know. I'm not gonna go weigh injury against injury, <laughs> but like in terms of stepping up, like. I don't know. You have AJ Pollock and Chris Taylor behind there. Like those are very serviceable guys. Like AJ Pollock was an all-star. How many years ago? Two, yeah, three years ago, maybe years ago. I, I don't know, but like, I'm, I'm not comparing him to Mookie Betts by any means, but I'm saying like in terms of taking the wind out of the sails, I feel like a Bauer injury right after a big signing is the one. Let's uh, let's move on to the rest of the division. Uh, the next I got the Diamondbacks. Last year went twenty five and thirty five. That's last place in the NL West. Pakota has them at seventy eight and eighty three. Now Arizona, they went for it last year, right? Even though they traded Greinke in twenty nineteen to uh, the Astros, they went out and they signed Bob Garner to be that veteran presence to you know kind of. Pitch well, of course, one, but also you serve as like a, a mentor for Zach Allen, 24-year-old, who's probably their best pitcher. And, you know, they thought that you could tell Marte came in fourth place in the MVP voting in 2019. He would take a step up, and they thought they had a good enough offense to compete in the National League. 
it didn't it didn't go well at all. So now, you know, now, now the Diamondbacks are in this in this rough position to be in if you're an organization in sports, kind of in between a full rebuild and competing. They're kind of in the middle, the kind of gray area there. Um, what are our thoughts about the Diamondbacks this year? Do you think that they should just blow it up? Use it at the deadline if there's if just shed out as much talent as they want, accumulate young prospects, or do you think there's this? Do you see a situation where this team is competing for a wild card by the end of the season? I think it's situational. Yeah, I, I think I would say so as well. I don't see them being in the wild card spot just because how good and deep the NL East is. Um, the Dimebacks also, in my like in my view are a team that they do better when there's no expectations on them to do anything. That's yeah. when they make the playoffs, but when they, you know, bring guys in and make splashes, that's when things go wrong. Um, Baumgartner wasn't great last year. Zach Allen, as you mentioned, a uh, big surprise, actually a guy that I missed facing by one batter in high school. Um, oh, no. They pulled him right out right before I was going to pinch hit. And they brought in some submarining kid and I struck out and I looked stupid. And I went back to the dugout and I said, you know what? I would have gotten a hit off of Zach Allen, but I had zero chance against this kid. And my teammates laughed at me. Um, so South Jersey kid. So I, I, I root for him. Um, and he, he set some records, like most career starts to start a career with six innings and less than two runs. Like he's a really good pitcher. Um, so I, I like watching him. They have Cattell Marte, and that's about it offensively. So. Eduardo Escobar is not somebody uh, – it's not I, too bad. Yeah, he, he's fine. But, like, they just don't have anybody that, like, you know, jumps off the page at you like, we got to have this guy. Nick Ahmed has gotten a little bit better with the bat. He's more of a glove guy. They brought in the veteran as Druba Cabrera. He's not going to turn any heads. He's not going to make the team, you know, five, ten games better. Um. No, this really isn't a bad starting lineup. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Run through it for me just so I can hear it. All righty. Um, well, the rotation, Bumgarner, Gallon, Merrill Kelly, Luke Weaver, and either Caleb Smith or Alex Young. Um, I mean, that's not exciting, but it's serviceable. Uh, I mean, bullpen, I don't really recognize many names. But in terms of the lineup, catcher, um, Carson Kelly, or Steven Vogt. So that's not bad. And then at first base, it's Christian Walker. Then Cattell Marte at second base. There's also a Drupal Cabrera, um, Eduardo Escobar at third, Nick Ahmed at short. Like, that's a pretty solid off. It's, it's a very average but serviceable infield. Uh, David Peralta's in the outfield. He can hit. Good lefty bat. Center field has Cattell Marte again, so there's an obviously obvious hole somewhere. And then you have Cole Calhoun in right field. Like, that's a lineup that can put up some runs. Yeah, they're uh, they're just a lineup that's just like it's it, as you said. There there's some good guys in that lineup, yeah. but like they're not gonna, you know, they're nothing to write home about. So as I said before, maybe they do something because for me, they're a team that does better when there's no expectations. So maybe yeah. they are right there at the end of the year, and you know, maybe they're not. So I don't I know. I, they're kind of they're in purgatory right now, and I think Glenn is frozen. So. Once again, 
uh, Arizona's going to be able to hit. The problem is their starting pitching isn't good. Um, 4.84 ERA, their starters last year. That includes the 275 from Gallon. So you can, if you take Gallon out, it's around five, maybe six. Like that's how bad they were. Uh, they need to develop pitching. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really too keen on their farm system. We'll see what happens in the future. San Francisco's next. They were 29 and 31 over the 2020 season. Pakota has them in 2021 going 75 and 87. The, the Giants last year had the oldest average age in their lineup, 29.8. I wrote that they seem to be sticking with that core that won them those three championships in the early 2010s. Uh, they still have, you know, they still have uh, Brandon Crawford. They still have Buster Posey. They still have Brandon Belt. They let Sandoval walk. They have older starters and Johnny Cueto. Nice. Um, yeah, twice. So similar to the similar to the Diamondbacks, this is a team that you know is older and might be in that in between kind of mix that the Diamondbacks find themselves into. I think the sooner the Giants move on from what the past was the better it's going to help their future. They have a pretty good farm system. They have the sixth-ranked farm system led by uh, the catcher Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos, Marco Luciano. So they have guys that are going to contribute in the near future. Does that con- contribution happen in 2021? That's that's going to be the question of whether the Giants have an exciting season or a lost season. Yeah, uh, you said they were the, the oldest lineup last year. They didn't bring anybody in new that's younger, so I gotta imagine they have the oldest lineup again this year. Um, everyone who got it a year older, and the only guy that they brought in was uh, Tommy Lastella, who's not you know a spring chicken himself. Um, I just don't see it with this team. Yeah, they were a game out of making the postseason last year, but it was a shortened season, and their manager's Gabe Kapler, who's did the same thing with the Phillies. They and it was an expanded playoffs as well. Yeah, and Gabe Kapler, he'll he'll get you right there, but he he won't seem to push you over the edge. Um, yeah, they they got to blow it up and and just move on from from Posey, Belt, and Crawford. It's hard to do that. It's hard to yeah. It sell took the that. Yankees seven years to do that, and it's hard to sell that to the fan base. But like Joey Bart should be getting a majority of the time behind the plate for the Giants to see what he is. And, you know, Buster Posey's great catcher. Um, but, you know. I mean, it would definitely help if the NL had the DH. That would make it easier just to say, hey, let's put Posey at DH and have Bart catch. If you get rid of Brandon Belt, then you can move Posey to first. It's hard because Posey's the he's the jeter of that era for the giants, right? He's the guy that everyone loves. He's the MVP. He came up from the system. He's, you know, if you're a San Francisco giants fan, you are a diehard Posey fan. So it's hard to give up those franchise legends, but you know, what future does Buster Posey have with this era of the giants? I don't think that he's part of it because they have to, they have to go younger. And I don't think Posey's old is young enough to see, the transition from the Giants being good 10 years ago to the next time the Giants are going to be good. Quick quick sidebar. Uh, Scott had mentioned that the Giants were a game out of the playoffs. And Glenn had then said, well, it was expanded playoffs. 
that's my point. That's my point why we can't have expanded playoffs. Because it's it, we're putting a, a freaking uh, asterisk on it. Uh, what's the point? Everyone and their mother makes the playoffs, so we don't need it. What's the, what's the point? If it's going to be, a, oh, well, there was expanded playoffs. Why do we got to have it? Sorry, I had to get that out. Anyway, the Giants stink. They're, they're going to come in last place in this division. Uh, they got no one. They haven't done anything in the offseason in 10 years. It's time to blow it up. You think they're worse than the Rockies? Yeah, I do. No shot. Okay. Okie dokie. <laughs> I'm glad we had this talk. <laughs> Great conversation. We haven't gotten to the Rockies yet. I don't want to do any spoilers. Everybody's killing to get to the Rocky part of the segment. Do you have anything to say about the Giants, though? I really don't, to be <laughs> honest. Like, they're it, it's I, how much do you really say? I mean, we're breaking down rosters and like the potential, and like it, it's true. Like Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, like they're overstaying their welcome, but like it's not like they're being pushed out anywhere. So it's just. I feel like they're just stalling. Like it, I like Lyskramski. I can't even yeah, pronounce last Yastrzemski. name. Lyskramski. He's the thirty, that, though, right? He's not twenty-two. No, yeah, he's he's old, an older guy too. Like it took him a while to develop. He didn't make it with the Orioles, and then they they traded him to the Giants, and then he figured it out. But yeah, he's not young either. Like there, there's no one outside. Like on the roster right now, Joey Bart is the only young guy. That has it reminds sort of me of future. like the 2013 to 2016 Yankees that they tried. They had to get rid of the old guys and they had to develop the new guys. The Yankees still made period, the playoffs. They made the playoffs one year. They made it in 15 and they got bounced. Yeah, but they were still relevant. Like they had winning seasons every year. The Giants just stink. I, I don't. If you're a Giants fan right now, if you're a San Francisco Giants fan right now, how could you be excited to go to a, a baseball game this year? First of all, they're probably not going to be allowed in the ballpark because California's crazy with restrictions. But nevertheless, how could you say, hey, guys, let's let's go to a ball game this year. Let's go watch Brandon Crawford go over three with three strikeouts and watch the Giants do absolutely nothing. Like, what did the what did the general manager, what did the management do? I didn't know you were so anti San Francisco Giants. I'm not. I, I got I, I'm not. I love their colors. You know, I have their hat. I'm not anti San Francisco Giants. I, I'm anti what they're doing. I'm anti what half the league is doing. I'm just tired of it. And we harp on it every week. But like, what did they do? You're going to be real fun next week when we talk about the NL Central. You're going to be a blast. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that, you know, you say that they're, they're like the 2013 or 2016 Yankees. And if that's the case, like, like Brian Cashman still put a competitive team on the field. He still made moves to to make it enjoyable to watch. Yeah, we didn't win the World Series. We haven't won the World Series in 30 years. But that's an exaggeration. I'm off I'm off the rails right now. 12 guys. years. I am off the rails right now. All I'm saying is that I'm tired of baseball teams just sitting and waiting for their 40-year-old stars to come out of the woodwork and hit 40 home runs. Buster Posey's done. Either put him at first base or get him out of here. Yeah, I agree with Cash. They're just so, just so, eh. Like that's that's what they are to me. They're just blah. Uh, but they're like they're an organization that should be able to do something. They should be able to go out and get free agents. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium. They I have, think they should sign Barry Bonds. They have a good history. I I, I don't know about that one. 
because you're talking about getting rid of old stars. Um, but they just don't do anything. They really don't. And like they, they were apparently a player for Bryce Harper, you know, when he was a free agent. But like, I'm pretty sure Bryce Harper was just using them as a as a negotiation tool. Like, they don't do anything. It just they're they're their rotation they're... is Kevin Gosman, Johnny Cueto. Can't spell Cueto to save my life. Apparently, Anthony Discalfani. 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 John Giordano is favorite. He's Italian. Player. I should know how to pronounce it. I was about to say it. the same thing, Scott. John's favorite player. Uh, Aaron Sanchez and Logan Webb and Alex Wood. That's those are their you All know right. top starters. Like that's not gonna blow you away. Yeah. The Giants remind me of you got like a, a two liter bottle of soda. It's empty. You fill like a third of it with oil, and then you fill the rest with the water. That's what the, the the Giants are, and they just keep filtering the water part, and the oil just sits at the bottom the entire time. The oil. If That's you a wonderful together. analogy, and I totally yeah. understood it. I totally get what that means. That's good. That means the listeners to totally understood it as well. So let's move on. <laughs> all right. So the the moment we've all been waiting for the Rockies. Rockies went twenty six and thirty four in twenty twenty. 2021, Prakota has them going 60 and 102. We know the story about the Rockies. They just traded their best player, Nolan Arenado. Their other best player, Trevor Story, is one foot out the door. They play in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, which is has an altitude issue. So balls fly out. So it's hard for them to convince starting pitchers to sign there. And it's hard to develop starting pitchers. Also, um, their owner thought it was a good idea not only to trade Arenado, but to give the Cardinals $50 million as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, other than 07 and other than a two or three, um, short playoff appearances along those lines over the last 15 years, this seems like a cursed franchise that's just destined to always never always fail. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think story is going to stay. I don't know why he would. I don't know why he'd want to. Um, they don't have a rotation. They never have. And you know, I, I think this is we're gonna see a good five six year stretch of real ugly baseball in Denver. Yeah, the the Arenado trade was was bad because they didn't get top prospects in return. But then to say, hey Cardinals, we're gonna give you fifty million dollars as well, is just insane. Like that is one of the worst trades possible. Um, they're just bad. They really are. They're, they're, it's going to be rough. And you're right. Like Trevor Story should be demanding a trade to get out of there um, as soon as possible. Why should he risk? I think the biggest question for the Rockies this year is if Story is going to be gone in July or in December. She should be gone in July to get something for him. Like that, that would be better. And like, I don't know. It just. It's bad. They're in a bad spot. That just and I feel bad for their fans because they have good fans in Denver. The Broncos, the Broncos, when they're good, have a really rabid fan base. That the, they love the Nuggets. Um, the Avalanche. The like, Avalanche. Yeah, it's a good like, sports town. I, I, I just know. don't know if, if does baseball work in that city. It's just the altitude is such an issue. I I and I know none of you have the answer to this question. But would it be better if they had a dome versus an open air stadium? Would having a dome affect that whatsoever? I wrote in the yeah. article that 
they should try it, but like you're still living there, you know? Out. Take a breath. <laughs> it's the it's the altitude. It's the same thing. It wouldn't as, make a difference whatsoever. The it's ball the same reason travel. your ears pop in a in an airtight airplane when you're up in the air. But even with a roof, the ball the is still going to travel still affecting the you the same way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, it's not like a wind thing. It's like throwing it out there. The density of the air, but like, is it a humid thing? The no, it. I don't know. I truly don't know, and well, I that, wish I did know. No, that's we get a meteorologist on here. That's why they have the humidifiers to heavy the baseball because the air is too thin. So I'm gonna look it up. I guess they're screwed no matter what, because they're they're gonna score every year. They score runs. They do that. They have good offensive players, but they can't pitch. We we've talked about it before. They they have no pitching. They've never had any pitching, and they you know most likely will never have any good pitching. Um, Their closer could not throw a baseball two years ago. True. I respect the comeback, and it's yeah. amazing what he's done. Daniel, and I'm Bard glad he figured it out because the yips suck. But like. Daniel Bard yeah. literally had the yips and he's going to be closing games for the for the Rockies. So like, he, it's great that he's pitching well because he chose the worst possible spot to go to become a good pitcher again. So maybe he's figured it out. Maybe we should all be talking to Daniel Bard about how to pitch in Colorado, but they're gonna be bad. I don't understand the yips for the life of me. Like I truly don't understand the yips. Like how do you just pick up a baseball one day and you can't throw it? There was a kid on our club baseball team who had the yips. Really? Or did he just name? not very good at baseball? I don't say any names because no, I'm I don't not. want to get roped into this. But I'm not. There was somebody. We definitely who had, had a little bit of both. Chuck Knobloch had a problem with that with the at the end of his Yankees career. Yeah, they had to move from second base. It's, it's a weird thing. Just one day you wake up and forget what to do. Can't throw a baseball. Cash, what are your thoughts on the Rockies? They're another irrelevant team. I mean, them and the Giants should just play 162 games against each other and forget the rest of the division. See who comes out on top. Now, Stick had a question for us, and he wrote it down, too. I did. And it it's I'm glad that we're getting to it now. So, if this is going to be a direct question to each of us, and I guess we could all answer it. I'm not going to answer it. Maybe I will. If you took over the worst team in the MLB as general manager – would you make them a better team or a worse team than the worst team in the league? Like, which direction would you take it? Like, the absolute rock-bottom team, whether it's, like, the Tigers or the Rockies, like, whoever you want to call it. Would you make them better? Or would you make them worse? My, I would make the worst team a championship contender within 12 months. I want to punch the shit out of you right now. <laughs> I would. I really do. I think I, I want to punch you in the face. More than anybody else in the world. I want to knock him out. I want to knock him out. I am a baseball expert. Nobody knows more baseball than I do. So, yes, I would make the team great. Realistically, like, if you just had to focus on the MLB <laughs> roster and take the very, very worst and you had free reign Ty, and Dodgers cap money. Well, then. I... Well, if you had all the money in the world, then right, obviously you could, you'd make you could buy it. You could buy it. I mean, it's so tough in baseball because. You know, a general manager could, for example, have during the 2021 draft, draft a kid, and for the next two years, three years, the team sucks. He loses his job, but then that kid becomes the best player in baseball because it's such a long process to get to the bigs. So it's really tough to say that. Like, it, it could take a general manager five, six, seven years to prove that he knows what he's talking about. He knows who he's drafting. So 
or or she. Kind of like the Giants yeah. are doing with Dave Gettleman. Um, so there. I, I just <laughs> think that it. I just think that um, it all depends on how much money your owner is going to spend and how much time you give them. I, I don't know, man. That's it a goes, tough question. It, it, it all all has to do with scouting. It all has to do with scouting. Not only the collegiate players and the international amateurs, but also the players on other teams and other organizations because you got to scout them see who you want to trade for when you're selling off a veteran it's tough true it's tough yeah. only the best, best they can do it a general manager is only as good as the people around them yeah exactly it, you gotta you would have to hire all the right people uh to make it work um my my first hire would be uh my first call would be to sam hinky uh guy knows how to tear down a team and, and build it back up um different story in baseball versus basketball but uh he'd be my first call see if i could get him to be my my number two um i'd hire buck showalter i i think it's tough i i i don't i think i would make him worse to answer your question ty because there's a whole lot more that goes into it than uh just you know what we see i agree the if i took over the orioles they'd be in the world series by 2024 can you end the show now, please? <laughs> I can't. No, we can't end the show. We have to go through what we think is going to happen in terms of the division. Just wrap it up. So are we all in agreement that it's going to be Dodgers 1, Padres 2? Yes. Yeah. All right. That's good. I'm glad yeah. we had no disagreements. And then we have what? Uh, Diamondbacks, uh, Rockies, Giants. Giants yeah, I, th- Rockies. I think the way that you laid it out in your preview, Glenn, is is perfect. Um Again, I know more baseball than anyone. I just think those top two teams are so much better, and the the Diamondbacks are right in the middle, and the Giants and the Rockies are pretty bad. Um, I the one thing I'll argue against your your article, Glenn, is I don't think that the Giant or the the Dodgers will win 108 games, and I would no. actually I would actually take the under on their pagoda projection as well. I just think the transition from the 60 games to 162 this year is going to play a factor. 108 um, is so many. Yeah. I, I, I have them at 104. What do you got? Let's do over under. You think over under 104 for the Dodgers? I'm under. Taking, under. under. I'm going I just, over. I think it's just a lot to, to go to still playing 19 games against the, the Padres. Yeah, they're going to beat the crap out of each other. I wouldn't be shocked if they both end like 90 95 for both of those guys. I think. I would, Here, I would here's my I would here's my argument. Other plus. than the 19 yeah. games against the Padres, they're going to play what? Another six against the Braves, another six against the Mets. Yeah. Who else? Who else is going to possibly beat them? Well, it's 57 combined between the D-backs and the Rockies and the Giants. So, so yeah. that's 57 and 0. Now, and assuming you go NL maybe Central, what? The whole NL Central, they're head and shoulders. seven. Over. Yeah. And then the. And then in the NL East, it's, you know, the Braves are going to be a team that's going to give them heat. And then the, we'll see what the Mets are, and we'll see what the Phillies are, we'll see what the Nationals are. But, you know, there's a lot of wins to be had because not only are the Dodgers really good, there's a lot of organizations in baseball that don't plan on being good mm-hmm. on purpose, which can like the Giants. a whole other conversation have later. Yeah, and their, their interleague opponent – this matchups this year against the AL West. So there's some bad teams there. So I don't know. I think they can be on there. 
close to 100 wins, but I, I just think 104 is a lot. San Diego over under 95. Under. Got to lean under. Can I push? Sure. Can I put him right at 95? Uh, Diamondbacks over under 78. Under. Under. Yeah, take the under. Giants over under 75. Under. Under. I'll give them the over. Rockies That's seven games over under off 600. What did you say, Glenn? No, I we I didn't know we didn't move on. No, go for it. It's fine. Scott, you have the Giants near 500? Yeah, I, I'd give them like 75 wins. Rockies over under 60. Over. Over. Yeah, I, I I'd, I'd go over as well. Just a, a game or two. All right, so we did it. NL West preview, over. And then next week, we'll do the NL Central. Um, before we wrap it up, let's just talk about what we've seen over the weekend. Um, Gary Sanchez went deep. We talked about, we talk about him all the time. I mean, it's a big, it's a big year for him. New leg kick, a little bit of a big, bigger leg kick on the home run. It was a little smaller. So he's, he's, he's experimenting with a leg kick. He's always had some sort of leg kick, but I noticed in the first couple of games that they've had on TV at times, it's a little bit more exaggerated than than um than it was in the past. The, the thing about leg kick, this doesn't go with Sanchez. This goes with anyone swinging a bat. If you're going to do a leg kick, it's either your timing is going to be really good or it's going to be horrible. I've tried leg kicks in high school and when I played, and I was it was either really good or it was really bad. And there was points where I just just do a small toe tap just for timing. Um, leg kick is a very hard thing to master. So we'll see if we'll see if it works out. Well, the thing here that I feel like Gary's trying to do is like when you're doing a leg kick, it's more so the leg kick's a timing mechanism, but your foot is still getting down no matter what when the ball is getting there. And I feel like that's Gary's issue and what he was really like. All right, that first at bat of spring training, when he went down on three pitches, just wave, wave, wave right through it. You could very obviously tell that he was like loading up in his back leg. You can't see what I'm doing with my leg, but I'm doing it right now like super slow and he tried to time it and get it down before the pitcher like even released it and like it's gonna be so unnatural and like I don't know the timing was different on all three pitches to the point where it kind of solidified the fact that he was doing that I I don't know if he was or wasn't but look he's got to get his foot down I feel like that is his main issue He's constantly starting his hands before his front foot hits the ground. I'm not an MLB hitting coach, but that's like a very basic thing that he misses. And he also lacks the concentration, I feel. Like if his timing's messed up on pitch number one, chances are he's going to psych himself out for pitches two and three. So it's a head thing for Gary. I feel like he's going to figure it out. And I, I have zero information to back this up. So I'm going off of a limb. However... I know in the past that Alex Rodriguez has talked about his uh, love for Gary Sanchez's swing, and he has said multiple times that Gary Sanchez is the best hitter in the Yankees lineup uh, over the past few seasons. That leg kick and those high socks kind of reminded me of A-Rod. I wonder if Gary Sanchez made a call to Alex Rodriguez this offseason to uh, to talk about some uh, some hitting mechanics. Well, I'm, I know for a fact that they do because A-Rod said that they do. Oh shit! Look at me go, baby. <laughs> that Sanchez was on. A Rod are very, very close, and they text often. Well, I knew that they were close, but I wasn't sure if he so actually. Good for you, Cash. Thank you. Oh fuck yeah, that was sick. 
Yeah, Ty, Ty got it right though. It, it's all about getting his foot down early, which is what he did on the home run swing against the Tigers, and he mashed the ball, and he can do that. So if he's just got to get his timing right and get that going, and he'll be fine. Like he, he's a threat. He's a big guy. He's gonna be able to, you know, hit the cover off the baseball. But uh, but that first at bat that you know you're talking about, his timing was terrible. He got gassed up by like 92 miles an hour, which is not great, but it was his first at bats in spring. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I, I think he's a very good catcher. He's he's gonna be okay. He's still young. Like let him, my let him friend, I, I woke up that morning, the morning Gary Sanchez hit this home run. I woke up in the morning to a text from a friend of mine, and he texted me, he's like, Why do the Yankees still even bother with Gary Sanchez? Like, why don't I just give Higgy the job? And then you watch him like three or four hours later hit the home run over the batter's eye. And then that's the reason why, because Gary Sanchez could do things offensively that no other catcher in baseball. Could if do. you look at not that, not even catcher, anybody, like very little people can hit a ball that far. And like I'm talking pure physical capability, like the ability to hit a ball. If yeah. all things are perfect to hit it that far, very little people can do that. If you look at that home run swing and I hope you guys go back and look at this highlight. When that ball hits off the bat, it kind of looks like he misses it a little bit. I don't even think he got all that hit, all that ball. He it's got just, a little he got a little under that ball. I'm telling you, go back and take a look at it. He can hit that ball further. Which is scary. Well, I think it only went 440 or something. <laughs> only. Only. No, but like relative to what Judge well, that's, does. That's like the point. Only, he, what I'm saying is he missed the ball. He didn't perfectly square that up. I he he's gonna have a forty home runs for Gary this year. I said it. Oh, I thanks, said Josh. it. Oh, thanks, <laughs> do it. I did this. I did this with Greg Bird. It didn't work. Don't yeah, do it. Then you're an idiot. No, but take it back. No, I know more baseball than anyone. I said it multiple times today. All right, I take it back. I take it back. But I, I will put it on the podcast. You guys did put it in our group chat. No more Gary slander. Um, so we're making that a thing. No there more Gary is slander. no chance that the first opening day when Gary strikes out, Glenn doesn't. Freak the hell out that he just struck out. No chance. <laughs> it's just part of the story. Okay, we'll I guess. See. We'll see. Am I wrong? If I, you didn't say I was wrong. You would have got a worse That's reaction. I always support my guys. Always. <laughs> exactly. Always have. Always will. You're a liar. <laughs> always. Always have. Always have. Anybody in pinstripes, I love. Love. Oh, thank God we have that as a clip now I could use on Twitter. That's but I can still so get good. mad at people I love. No. That's... No. What time is it? 908. All right, I'm getting this so I can clip it. <laughs> yeah. Scott, what's going on in Philly's camp? Um couple couple well, bad loss to the Tigers. Uh you bad mentioned loss. it. But you mentioned it at the start. Avon Nova, who's battling for the, the fifth rotation spot. I'm pretty sure he lost that already. Like they could send him home for all I care. Uh way too many walks. That was not good. Uh they tied the Orioles. Yesterday, um, and then they lost four to two to the the Blue Jays today in extra or in six innings. The game was scheduled for six. They lost four to two in the bottom of the the uh, six after a bases loaded hit by pitch. So the the Blue Jays won three to two, but the Phillies still wanted the pitcher that was on the mound to throw some more pitches. So they made him keep going, and he walked another batter. Uh, so brought in an extra run. So they lost four to two. Uh, so everything at, going as it should be, basically. 
yeah, you know, the bullpen already off to a great start. Um, nobody's really played yet. None of the core guys have, have really gotten out there yet. So um, it's spring. Who cares? Like you could, you could go undefeated in spring and have like the worst year ever. So it's just about getting, you know, yourself together in shape, ready to go. Um, but yeah. The Phillies are, are here. It was, but how great, great, how great is it for it to be back? Right. How yeah. nice was it to watch the yes network music kick in at one o'clock on Thursday? Wasn't that amazing? Or whenever the game was Sunday. It always is. Yeah. Just having baseball back was, is nice. Scott, do I, the Phillies have a theme song like the yes network that's close to that or no? Uh, NBC sports Philadelphia has, has a intro they use it for all the teams. But is so. it the yes network intro? Uh, I've actually never heard the Yes Network. You've intro. never heard the actually, Yes Network intro. I I haven't watched. Oh my god! I was I don't jumping up many and down on my couch. games on Yes Network. So um, the only time I get Yes Network is when I'm at my beach house in Long Beach Island. Oh, nice flex. Because because that's considered New York territory. Um, so we get it there. I don't get it here. Um, so. I, I couldn't tell you if it's comparable, but they do have a song that comes on. And it, Does it, it get it you pumped up, though? Gets, it gets you going. It gets, it gets you excited. the people going. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Good. I said it once already. I'm not finishing it. That quote. Excuse me? Forget it. Never mind. <laughs> Missed your opportunity. Yeah. All right. Do we have any final thoughts before we go? Baseball soon. That's it. It's coming up. It's coming up soon. Cash, I know you have something for me. Yeah, I do. Um... <laughs> All right, talk about the minors. Go We're ahead. We're 86 <laughs> days away from first pitch, baby. 86 days away. Can't wait. Can't exciting. wait. It's going to be exciting. It's really exciting that baseball is back. Um, hopefully that we'll have fans in the stands. We'll have at least 10% to start. Hopefully within the next month it gets opened up to maybe 20%. Yeah, and the Phillies. They'll have like a little over eight thousand. So, when you guys watch the spring training games this weekend, it, it's noticeable the difference that a live crowd makes, isn't it? Yeah, it does, and the players have been saying it too. It makes a huge difference. So, it's good good to have people back, and hopefully, get to at least one game this year. Yep, sounds good. Um, next week we will do the NL Central, which is going to be so much fun because there's so much talent in that NL Central. So. You know, with the the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Brewers and the Pirates, all those great teams. So that'll be fun. But until then, we're going to go for Alex Cashman, Scott Roswell, Tyler Boomstick. My name's Glenn Zanegers saying so long and enjoy the rest of your week. See ya.